What's up, guys? This is Iron Sharpens Iron, the number one podcast in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am your host, Chris Whedon. We have a guest today by the name of Shane Smith. How are you doing, Shane? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for asking. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for for joining us on such short notice. I know uh, we had some technical difficulties early, but here we are. I can't wait for you to just share your story and what you all have going on. Yeah, let's just let the listeners know a little bit about who you are and and the business as far as uh, cutting the red. I think this is going to be a good start and a great conversation today. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Really excited to share the story. And uh, it's actually a story that, uh, that found us. I mean, we, we had no idea what we were in for before April, I would say before April 12th. April 12th is when it all just began to unfold. And so my wife and I, we live in San Diego, California. My wife is vice president of Point Loma National University. I, uh, I followed her from Rochester, New York, where that's just one of a few places where we've served. I've been a pastor for 30 years, and uh, she got a great job opportunity in San Diego and said, moving to San Diego, do you want to come? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I want to come. So I left things behind, and I, I went with her to San Diego to start a new life and together and to, to embrace this new opportunity that she had. And my idea was I'll just work in the garden. I'll be a stay-at-home dad with no kids. I'll play with the dogs and, you know just do some ministry. I picked up a job there as a chaplain, a hospice chaplain. I was, you know, I've always enjoyed being with people um, in the last moments of their lives and um, just being there to, you know, comfort, comfort them and encourage them. And just to let them know, I think a big message that I want to send out is that you're not alone. We're, we're in this together. And so I, I then was offered a job shortly after being there, maybe a year being a chaplain there for a year, a uh, small little church in Rancho Penasquitos asked me if I'd be their pastor. Uh, they didn't have a pastor. They were going through a transition. And so I agreed to do pulpit supply for a while. And then they asked me to come on and, and to be their pastor. And so fast forward to uh, April 12th, I'm in South Carolina near Clemson in Central relocating my daughter. I have 12 days to relocate her. She had been living in San Diego with us and found her an apartment, three-bedroom apartment furnished it, bought two or three cars while I was there, flipped two of them, bought a house while I was there. Uh, it was a very productive 12 days, <laughs> and uh, to say the least. And as I'm uh, you know, boarding the airplane in uh, Clemson or in uh, Greenville early, early in the morning, uh, morning of the 12th, I discovered then and there that there's an actual surprise stop that's going to take place. So I'm going to actually have four flights in one day. So I get to the fourth flight after missing a flight, flight being canceled. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I get on the flight. I'm sitting in the front row and I meet this flight attendant named Joe. We just kind of start talking and, you know, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm kind of like on edge, you know, and I just, I just got seated and, and I'm just uh, a little anxious, you know, just been a long day. And so we start talking just about life and she was telling me about, um, how she had some Ukrainian friends of hers that were coming into Tijuana, Mexico, that needed to be picked up sometime around April 20th or so, if I would be willing to help her pick these people up and get them housing, and then she would take care of their flights to get them to uh, the Greenville area where where they now live, by the way. Okay. And so I um, I agreed, and I had told her that 
a similar thing had happened for me. That's how we started talking about Ukraine, all that was going on at the time and still mm-hmm. is going on. But she said to me, um, or I told her, I said, there's friends of mine that actually reached out to me in March, uh, Ukrainians from Rochester who have been a part of our lives since 2003, fixing my cars, fixing our homes, transporting us across country when we moved. Ukrainians moved us from Rochester to San Diego. And so I said, yeah, I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. Just let me know what I need to do. So I ended up picking up a family for them and then a second family for them, housing them, sending them to Rochester, New York. And then the third family was Joe's family, picked them up. I knew them because as soon as I, as soon as I picked them up, they, you know, they had all their suitcases were all wrapped in yellow and blue tape, which I thought was so cool. What a yes. And then to hear their story, you know, they were sitting at my table. They spent the, they spent a couple nights at my home, and to hear the story and how they were connected to Joe and how everything was connected and how they were the last family to leave that the last family members to leave. They had put everybody else in front of them. This was uh, the matriarch. This was mom who had been a pastor's wife for forty years. Her husband just passed a few months prior. Wow. And her baby son, 27 years old, his two, his wife, his two kids, one in the you know third on the way, moving to South Carolina. So they flew out to South Carolina. So then I get back, or I'm I'm, I'm in San Diego at the point, but I I get, I get back to life, and I get another phone call from my friends in Rochester. They're like, "Hey, one more favor, bro. <laughs> like, what's going on?" They're like, "Well, we have this guy. He's 23 years old. He's Ukrainian, and he wants to come out to San Diego. We know you do cars. We know you love." you know, buying, selling trucks. And do you have an extra Tundra, you know, lying around? Like, yeah, I got two Tundras right now that I'm running. So yeah, well, we're going to send this guy. He's 23 and he he has like several Ukrainians. He wants to get out of uh, Mexico, a family member. Could he just, could he borrow your truck? I go, absolutely. So he shows up and I had already been working on lining up a hotel for him. And I met him introduced him to my wife we instantly fell in love with him and he's like a son like like day one i gave him the keys to the truck i gave him the credit cards i gave him the keys to my house and i said if there's anything you need i'm here to help wow. so by this time we we've formed a, a relationship with the border coordinator who now knows us we've picked up a few families and the last day we're doing lots of runs in between Right. The last day before the border closed, which was April 24th, I said, 51-year-old's going to pull an all-nighter. I haven't done an all-nighter since, uh, since my teen, my youth pastor days when I did all-nighters. You know, I don't want to ever do an all-nighter again unless I <laughs> really have I said, I'm going to do an all-nighter tonight to the border, border coordinator. And I said, I want 15 families tonight. One night, I want 15 families. She gave me 18 families that night. So me and Vova two tundras, 18 families. We re- we took them all from the border back and forth, back and forth all night long into, wow. in, I think we were 25th, like around two, three o'clock, we were done doing all the back and forth. Got them all to the same location. Those that weren't in my house that we couldn't fit in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, we put in a nearby hotel right near the bay, kept wow. them all together so that we could do meals together, so that they could be together, so that they could have that sense of community. You know, it was very important, I think, early on, I think, for us to establish as soon as we would meet people coming across, you know, grown men who are trembling, who are just 
don't know where to turn, what to do, uh, this, you know, big burden upon their shoulders or leaving a war-torn country. They're coming to a place that's unfamiliar. They're displaced. They need to find a place and they have a family that they're trying to support, mm-hmm. trying to care for. I can't tell you how many men, like uh, how many grown, you know, adult men that were just in that place, in that headspace, yeah. where I put my hands on their shoulders and just said, we got you. We got you. You don't, you don't need to, we, we got you. Mm-hmm. And that our goal, my wife and I just really believe it was important for them to find rest and refuge. So we shut down our home. Our, we have an Airbnb in our house. Okay. We shut down the spaces in our home which we typically have rented out in the past. And we just said, no more renters. It's going to be all Ukrainians that are coming in. Anybody that needs help. And so that's the case even today. Like today yeah. I'm in New York talking to you and living in my house in that same Airbnb for the past almost three months mm-hmm. has been another organization, Ukrainian organization that brings in SMA children, spinal muscular atrophy, which is all new to me. And they're staying in our, in our home so that they can receive medical treatment at Radies Children's Hospital. So that's a whole different story. But so the rest in the refuge, taking the families to um, what we've been doing is we, we take them to the ocean. I want it's very important for me before they just get on a plane and take off to whatever's next that they feel the sand, they feel the water, they feel the breeze, and they can just breathe and know that it's going to be okay. They can clear their mind. They can just get some rest, go to take them to the hotel first before we take them to the ocean, <laughs> go to the hotel, sleep. We'll get you a good breakfast in the morning. And then we're going to go, we're going to go to the ocean. Wow. And so after that, this is where Joe comes in again. Cause early on, I think we're up to about, well, our border coordinator, who's a dear friend to me now, she's brought in over 25,000 refugees as a volunteer. Okay. She lives. She lives in Mexico right now. She's relocated, okay. and she paid anyone zero. She gave us about two hundred. We've taken we've taken in about two hundred today to count. And our goal, we feel a great sense of responsibility to the two hundred that we've brought in. Mm-hmm. And so, what we try to do, we have them in our home, or we have them in a, in a hotel. We cover the hotel costs. We put them on an airplane. Joe spent twenty thousand dollars of her own inheritance money. Her mom had 13 kids, gave her 30,000. And so Joe said to me, she goes, mom would be very pleased with how I'm spending her money. Didn't look at it as her, as her money. She looked at it as mom's money and her being a blessing to others. So she put $20,000 out of her own money to fly Ukrainians wherever they needed to go. There were others who made great sacrifices. Right. You know, we, we took it upon ourselves to, you know, every family that, that we were responsible for um, directly, like I would say the 18 families, out of all those families, we gave every family a $1,000, you know, a seed money, just to say, here, you know, here's $1,000. We know it's not, you know, you're not going to buy a house with it. It's going to get you a start. And so we gave them $1,000, and then we bought their plane tickets, sent them where they needed to go. And then that moved into the third phase, which was, you know, I think we did pretty well with rest and refuge but the biggest piece is now restoration and uh how how do they rebuild their lives and what does that look like and there's just so many components and so many pieces and it's such a big ask you know because it's like they need jobs yeah. in order to have a job you need a vehicle so we purchased a few vehicles you know i again that's kind of my wheelhouse i've bought and sold toyota tundra so i've tried to buy you know a couple of families vehicles 
vehicles. There's still needs, you know, for used cars and, and things of that nature. Right. There's families now that aren't flying, not flying from flying into Mexico anymore. They're now flying out of Warsaw, Poland, Spain, Italy, mm-hmm. and Prague. Prague. We're doing we're doing a family of uh, four. Uh, okay. August 29th, they're flying in, flying them in. We just got the tickets for, for this family. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And we're just kind of uh, cutting the red the way that that, the way that that came about was what, what I was thinking in my mind originally was cutting the red tape and just making it easier for people. I just feel like in so many different, you know, so many different areas within our, our world, you know, be it child support or whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, battered women. We just, we, we make it for people who are struggling and life is hard enough as it is. I, I just feel like sometimes the system makes it harder for people. And I just, I felt like we just, these are people that need help now. We don't have time to go to corporations and say, Hey, you know, can you take it to this meeting, to that meeting, to this meeting, to that meeting? It's like, these people need rest and refuge now. Thank you. And you know what? We're in a position where we can do that. And if people want to help us, you know, more power to you. We didn't quit our day jobs. We have day jobs. This is a grassroots movement. And I think the more people that get on board at whatever level they want to get on board, they get on board and we get it done. And so the red tape, cut the red tape. That's, that's a piece of it. And then my wife being a professional vice, you know, fundraiser, vice president, she says to me, you need to be very careful because (laughs) corporations and checks and balances, all, that's all very, very important. I said, honey, I understand. I get it. Mm-hmm. But also understand that I don't have time. You know, these people, these people need to get out of Poland right now. Right. Right now. I don't have time for a business meeting. We need to do it right now. So mm-hmm. cutting the red was originally, that was what was in my mind when we named it cutting the red. But then the bigger picture is when you think about, you know, whether you believe the Bible or not, whether mm-hmm. you're a Christian or not. Um, my faith, my faith teaches me about the story in the book of Exodus when the first refugees, the first slaves enslaved to Egypt for over 400 years. And that's history. I mean, again, whether you believe the Bible or not, I mean, right. it, it's history. It's documented. We're still finding chariot wheels in the Red Sea. But that when the children of Israel were led out of Egypt, out of bondage, they were led to the edge of the Red Sea. By Moses and God cut the red right in half so that his people, his children could walk through on a dry path to a new life, to a new hope, to a new future. And so that to me is what cutting the red is all about. It's about helping people get on that path to a new life, to a new hope, to a new future. Wow. Wow. Shane, thank you. Thank you for I mean, this is truly incredible what you and your wife have been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. The connections you've been able to make. I mean, I know I was one of those people that that had it on my heart to to help and I wanted to go and I just I could not go. And so I literally just prayed about it. And then all of these connections such as meeting you, meeting other people that I've had the opportunity to interview that are, to me, true everyday saints. We have saints that are walking among us, such as, you know, we can look at St. Christopher and St. all these different saints and and people that people look at, like, um, 
Mary Magdalene and all these people. It's that's great. But we have people here today that are doing the work and they are not being recognized for what they are doing. But the one who sees all recognizes the work. And so that is obviously the most important thing. So I aim to give people their their flowers while they are here. Shane, thank you for everything that you're doing. You are truly, you and your wife, Kelly, are truly making a statement, right? That we are all in this together. And yeah. it, all it does is take one person to say, no, enough yeah. is enough. I'm going to do what I can to help. And, yeah. and I love it. I love it. I love what you guys are doing. And I'm, I'm glad I'm here to be able to support. I, well, and I am too. And I thank you so much for putting it out there because I think like you say, you know, it, there's, you know, we have organizations, even right where I am, I did a, I did a big interview yesterday with about 600 people and that were there wanting to give, wanting to know how they could be a part of what's mm-hmm. happening. And I'm like, you know, there's, there's lots of ways that you can be a part. You know, some people choose to send money, send clothing, send items to the Ukraine, which is, which is beautiful, which is wonderful. And there's a need for that. And then I feel that my calling has been to help the people that we've helped get here, you know, to be able to stay here because the truth of the matter is, you know, a lot of these, they're not even really called refugees. They're called parolees. And I've been calling them refugees for the longest time. Wow. Uh, but I've talked to some, to some lawyers, Ukrainian lawyers, and they've, they've informed me. They've educated me. Again, this has been a learning process for me. But even you know, as a country, we've let them in in order to deport them. I brought in, I brought in two brothers, and they lived with me for a month. One was handicapped from the neck down. And they took their passports because they refused to be vaccinated, took their passports, let them in, basically cutting them off at the knees because they know that without documentation, they can't do anything. And then they had to appear at a hearing, which was a deportation hearing. And so the goal of the USA is to, is to actually get them out of here by January. So that kind of stuff is happening. And so I want to keep them here. I mean, I think, you know, no matter what anybody's political views are, you want to make America great again, you do it by allowing people in. Yes. Okay. Ukrainians are, I'm not Ukrainian, so I can say Ukrainians are like the hardest working people I know. They don't work nine to five. They work from nine to whenever it's done. And they have this work ethic, this resilience, like as, as fast as not as fast as Russia knocks them down, they're, they're rebuilding. They want to work. They, they, they're not looking for a handout. They're looking for a hand up. Yes. And so when we can rally around them, we can give them the hand up. And I, I tell this, this last story because probably the most near and dear, there's just so many stories I could tell. <laughs> but there's this, this family, a 30-year-old girl named Anna, her husband, Vasily, 38, and their two twin boys, Matthew and Timothy. And they were one of the 18 families that we picked up on the 24th. And they, told us that they had a place to go in Denver to Denver, Colorado. And so we bought their tickets and sent them out to Denver and they get out to Denver and they're like, our friend is moving their Ukrainian friend. And this has happened several times when they wow. think they have a, a something lined up. Yeah. And it just falls through. You know, it's a disappointment again. And now what do we do? So I said, Oh, that's okay. We're going to, we're going to fly you out of Denver and we're going to find you a host family in New York, Rochester, where I'm from. Yeah. So we did that. we, Found him a found him a host and and as I was you know moving him in 
you know, Anna had said to me, she said, maybe it was a little bit before then, she said, my dad died when I was three years old. She said, would you be my American papa? And when she, <laughs> and, and my kids, I have a 25 and a 27 year old and uh, my kids aren't married. My kids do not have children. And when I, when I heard those words that just melt in my heart, would you be my American papa? Would you be my dad? Yeah. And that came with two grand boys, by the way. So I was instantly made a grandfather and it just warms my heart. You know, every, you know, Chris, every day, she, every day, every day, she, she FaceTimes me. She sends me a text. Good morning, daddy. And, and it just, it means, I know that it means so much to her and to her family that we, my wife and I are involved in, in, in their lives and we've taken them on as our own. Yeah. But you know what that means to me? Like the, the warmth that, you know, how, how, what that, I mean, I'm the one that's winning here. They're mm. not the ones I'm, I'm the one that's winning because they've just, they've given me this gift. They've invited me in into to their journey into their lives. And, and that's what it says in James. It says that pure religion is this looking after orphans, widows in their times of need. This is, this is what it looks like. This is what a relationship with God looks like taking care of people. Yeah. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You came to prison. I mean, meeting the needs, responding to people in the needs around us is our response or lack thereof. It's our response to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so either we're responding to him or we're not. And so I would just say that at any level, I mean, we pray. You can pray, pray. Pray for Ukraine. Pray for these families that are displaced, that they find a place, that they find a hope and a future, which is the plan that God has for us, yeah. Jeremiah. But, and then also, if you could visit us on Cutting the Red, cuttingthered.com is a great way uh, for you to for you to partner with us. Um, I, I was watching the Cash App signs go off yesterday as people were uh, responding in this big meeting that we were in, which was just such a blessing. And you know, it whatever level again, diapers. People need diapers. These these families need food. They need gift cards. So you can you can help us help them. A hundred percent of what's given. Like I said, I didn't quit my day job. 100% of what's given goes right to them. There's no overhead. We don't have a building. We don't. Uh, we give 100%. We give more than 100%. Um, we're giving out of our pockets. We're giving out of our resources because we want to We want to see people uh, get up and, and move forward. So yeah. cuttingthered.com, you can give. If it's a smaller gift, we'll celebrate whatever you can give. But if you, if you have a large donation, like you want to donate a vehicle, you want to donate you know, a larger amount of money and you want to tax that's important to some people. They want to tax um, right off. Mm -hmm. We you, we can take that through our church, which I'm a part of, and we are 501c3. Okay. So those gifts could be made to uh, Radiant Life Church, and we will give you uh, a tax write off for that as well. So I love it. I love it. It's understanding um, if you are listening to this episode and you feel called on your heart, and understand that we all have a duty to love. The Bible says, love thy neighbor. It doesn't say, love thy neighbor if, love thy neighbor, dot, dot, dot. It's love thy neighbor, period. And so if we can all get to a place where we can be like Shane and like so many that have come before us that see a person and say, hey, what do you need? Maybe I can help. That's it. It's we are all in this life together. We are all here to 
serve one another. And I, I, I can't thank you enough, Shane and Kelly, for, again, the work you are doing. Please go and support Cutting the Red. Again, you can find them at cuttingthered.com. And I believe they have their social profiles on that website as well. Correct, Shane? Yes, Kelly's information's on there. Okay. Um, we're working on we're working on a five one c three status right now as we speak for cutting the red by itself. Okay. But for now, that's why we're taking the larger gifts through Radiant Life Church, which is also on the website cuttingthered.com. I would also say, knowing that you're in Carolina, that we have a family, and I can send you this information later. Yes. I would love it. This is this was family number three, the ones that had their suitcases wrapped in, in yellow and blue. Okay. Really, it was it was on my heart to give them a vehicle the last time I was visiting South Carolina. Okay. In fact, I had purchased a vehicle. Um, it had all kinds of problems. And I was on my way to visit them to eat a meal with them to surprise them with this vehicle. It was only a four thousand dollar vehicle. And it it didn't it didn't do it, didn't make it. And so put it in the shop. Long story short, I showed up to the get together to the dinner, gave them a thousand dollars, encouraged them, had a great meal together. But they're in your area. They're like 20 minutes from Greenville. Okay. I think it would be amazing if we could find somebody that would say, you know, I have a used vehicle that would help this young 27 year old get to work so that he can, you know, keep a job and support his family. His mom's with him and his mom, what I didn't tell you is. I did tell you she was 40, 40 years a pastor's wife. Mm. I mean, they were missionaries and and still doing God's work. Amazing people, amazing family. I just love them to death. They are in South Carolina, they're in Greenville, and it would be wonderful if we could just maybe even rally around them, be it a vehicle, be it some gift cards, yes. just to support. You know, I would love to be able, you know, for your listeners, those that are in that area, South Carolina, North Carolina, they just say, Hey, look, here's, here's a family that we can take on that we can support. Yes. No, that, that would be great. We'll make sure to get their information and we can post it with, with this recording, obviously. Um, awesome. that way we have, we have a, a family here in the Carolinas to support. And so I know us Carolina, I guess I'm a, a Carolinian now I'm, I'm from Texas, <laughs> but you know, I, I love Carolina, and um, I've definitely made this place my home now. So uh, we'll rally, we'll rally together, and make sure that they're taken care of. So we'll be joining you soon. We're we're looking for property in uh, in South Carolina in the Greenville area. So we'll we'll be we'll be near you guys soon. Before long, we'll be uh, getting our driver's license, and they'll be uh, they'll be Carolina. So. Yes, well, <laughs> I, I can't I can't wait I can't wait for us to be able to meet in person. And um, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Garrick. Let me go ahead and say that for for making this introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, well, Shane, thank you again. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, it's much appreciated. If there was anything you can take from this episode, our ask is that you please share it and please subscribe. And if there is anything that we can work on, obviously, we are in community that is constantly working to be the best version of ourselves. Hence, iron sharpens iron. So until next time, we love y'all. Peace. Thank you, buddy. 